I don't think he's slain an actual bear. No, I don't. I don't think he's gut an actual bear. That Chris Eubank interview. So, I'm Rob Moore. This is Harry Kumar, producer of The Disruptor Show. And we had an overwhelming amount of people ask us to do a response and an explainer video on that bizarre Chris Eubank interview. Some people did say that um, maybe they thought he wasn't mentally well. Some people even questioned if we should have published the interview in the first place. And we've decided to cover some of the points, the questions, the more controversial areas in this explainer, uh, reaction, response. I don't even know what this video will end up being. Um, but we thought it was really important to address some points. We also got a lot of great feedback on my reaction response video to the Andrew Tate series. So this is something we might do more of um, for our wilder guests. Right, Rob, should we just get straight into this? Yeah, let's do it. Right, can you just set the scene of what happened on that day? Because it was absolutely mental and I guess looking back at it, it all kind of makes sense why it was so weird. So set the scene. Yeah, so the day of interviewing Chris Eubank was surreal. He was, he was nearly an hour late and his agent said that Chris had told him that he was five minutes away. So we waited and waited and waited, bearing in mind he was already an hour late. And my friend Shah, who'd come to have dinner with me afterwards, knows Chris, she's worked with him. And she said, I've just phoned up Chris. And he's not even on the M25. He's not even in London. <laughs> so he'd said he was five minutes away to his agent, yet he was probably still an hour and a half away. So I made the call to cancel it because this would have made, made it three hours late. So I went into the restaurant next to where we do our interviews and Shah came and met me and she said, I phoned Chris to say it's cancelled. And Chris has said, no, it's not. You make it happen. So Shah ended up phoning True Geordie to try and get his studio. Um, True Geordie was already doing a podcast, but he gave us some recommendations of some locations. And in the end, we went to, what was the place called? I don't know, but it was a nightclub. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I think it was... The Strand or something like that. Yeah. It was on the, it was on the Strand. And it was Soho House. It was oh, one okay, of the right. Soho House locations. And we went there. And yeah, it was basically a bar, nightclub. And we got the tiniest, <laughs> pokiest little room. And Chris turned up five hours late. Five freaking hours yeah. late. And this room that we were in had me, Chris, Shah, Harry, and his two, I don't even... Uh, he he said, called them his children. Yes, his mentees, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. They were children, though. So there was six of us in a box at, like, what, 9 a, nine at 9 p.m., something like that? Oh, God, it was yeah. late. Yeah, yeah, Too late for me. I mean, I got a migraine the next day. It went on so late. So, yeah, when he arrived in the lift, he was walking like this. <laughs> And I wasn't sure if he was doing it for effect or if he had had some kind of operation or injury. 
I've seen a video recently of him in exactly the same outfit, <laughs> walking in like that, but then dancing. Yeah, we'll put it on screen now. Okay, fine. So you'll see it. And it was very bemusing. But Chris Eubank is a very eccentric character anyway. So a big part of me just thought that this was part of the, the cinematography, the show, the theatre of Chris Eubank. So it took me quite a while to sort of figure out what was going on. He was very standoffish. He was very standoffish, very cold for probably the first 20 minutes. You were still faffing around, weren't you? Trying to get the lights up and the cameras up and we we're all tripping over each other. And we're all here like this in this little box in the, the randomest place in London. And that was even before we got started. All right, so when we do these interviews, we always prep questions days before, weeks before, and overriding, we can kind of plan and script roughly where we want to take this interview or any interview. So when did you know that shit, I'm going to have to just freestyle this and every question that we had prepped is basically irrelevant now. The first question he answers really well. I really like his first question about are you misunderstood? And I thought we're going to get a sharp, articulate, on point Chris Eubank. And then after the first question, it all went to Salvador Dali, MC Escher, surrealism. And I was already a little bit ready because before we went live, he didn't look at me the whole time. He just looked over there and he was just strange. I don't know if you, did you put any of the pre-roll in? A little bit, but if you want to see the full exclusive before and after, go to Rob.team to watch everything. Right, right. you had to cut some out, I did you? I had to cut 25 minutes out of it. Right, yeah. maybe in this video, you could just show a few little bits before, I don't know, but it was, he wouldn't look at me. It was awkward, he was combative, mildly aggressive. Um, yeah, so after about the first question, halfway through it, I thought, yeah, he's, there was a point quite early where he, when, when he really told me off for interrupting him, which by the way, made me want to interrupt him on every single question. And I got him at the end. Um, but yeah, so I'd probably say about one and a half questions in. Now, I actually love moments like that. So a lot of people don't like the conflict. I want to bring on the conflict. Not intentionally, like I don't want to go, I'm not Piers Morgan, I don't just want to go and bang, bang, bang at people. I mean, that, that hatchet job he did on Andrew Tate, Piers Morgan was not good interviewing. But if there is conflict and awkwardness, I really want to roll with it. And, you know, as you know, Harry, I've been saying to you, we're making memories creating mm -hmm. these um, podcasts. And yeah, it's getting more and more surreal and interesting and crazy and emotional the more we do. So yeah, I, I knew that that, set of questions I had in front of me, I, I might not need any of them or I might need all of them. I didn't know if I, I didn't know if we were going to be 15 minutes and done because sometimes you've got your whole questions list, but it's so, so thrown off. You think he's not going to answer that. He's not going to answer that. I don't know how I, how I can ask that. We might be done in 20 minutes. And then other time you're like, we're 45 minutes in and we haven't even answered the first question. So I must admit, I quite like it when the rules are sort of thrown out. So coming soon, we've got Craig Harrison, the, the world record holding sniper. And for a very completely different reason, we had to completely change the questions we'd set. And I actually enjoy those the most. If you just like question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, it's just not as great as it could be when it takes its own journey. Rob, can we just address the elephant in the room? 
Do you think Chris is okay? Do you think there's any mental illness there? This is really difficult for me to say. I didn't want to ignore the people who'd said, I think he's mentally unwell. I don't think you should have published this. And I thought long and hard about this. So the first thing to say is, I am not a psychiatrist. I am not an expert in mental health. And I honestly don't know. Straight hands up, I don't know. Is it the act? Is it the cannabis? He openly admits he smokes cannabis, so I'm not stepping out of line there. Or is he not mentally well? Now, we retrospectively found out that he was sectioned in October. Um, I think we need to research that a bit more. And I spoke to a psychiatric nurse friend of mine, um, very well experienced in the profession, who said that he believed that Chris was showing signs of mania, a manic wow. phase, um, you know, of mental unwellness, whether it, I don't even want to use words because I can't diagnose anyone. So I think there is a chance that maybe Chris is not too well. And so what I'm going to do is not take the video down yet. I'm going to wait. And um, we are reaching out to his agent. We are reaching out to his son. We're letting them know and we will see what happens. And if, it turns out that this needs to go down, we'll take it down. Um, and I also think that maybe this can raise some awareness because I don't know anyone that was talking about, is Chris Eubank okay? Until this video went up. Mm. And now a lot of people are asking, is Chris Eubank okay? So that's my stance on it. So I can be persuaded either way. If Chris is really not very well and any requests come in, I'll stay open-minded. We have reached out to his agent. We have reached out to his son. And obviously you're getting a lot of hate in the comments and a lot of heat. I wouldn't from... say a lot. There's a lot there. I have seen some heat coming from this. Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of people reckon I handled the interview pretty well. Yeah, but I think from what I've seen, pe people assume we're taking advantage of him. Had... Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Um, number one, I paid for this. And we don't normally pay for interviews, no. um, but we paid for this. So I don't think that's an exploitation. Um, and then number two, I'm not qualified to talk about mental health. If someone asks my opinion, I'll give it. And like I've just said, we've reached out to his agent. We've reached out to his son and we're on standby. So did we make the right decision right now? Well, I think you could argue either way. Some people have said he's not mentally well, but are they qualified? I was there. You can say this, Harry. It was confusing, wasn't it? It was absolutely bizarre. It part, was surreal. In parts, did you think it was an act? At the start, if I'm being honest, I did think it was an act yeah. or he was under the influence. Yeah. The could, you, could you, were there funny smells emitting from him? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So you've got the Chris Eubank notoriety. You've got the meeting him and the act. You've got the funny smells. And then you've got this, is he possibly not well? So it's... Not easy. But no, I don't believe I'm um, exploiting him. We took a couple of bits out that we thought it was respectful to take out. So we did actually edit some things out which we didn't think were right. Right. Can we talk about the interview now? We'll talk about whatever you want. Okay. So it's interesting you said about uh, his first comment, uh, the first question you asked and the, the response he gave to it. You quite like that. I've got the quote here. Uh, so your question was, are you misunderstood? And Chris said... I'm only misunderstood if you're hearing a story about me. If you're talking to me, there's nothing to misunderstand. What do you think about that? 
Well, I think that's a really good answer if you are not putting on an act and if you are, and if you are mentally well. So anyone in the public eye is probably going to feel like media and people commenting from afar don't understand you. Only the people that understand you are the people that know you. So from that perspective, I thought, really good answer. But I spent two hours with him and I didn't understand him or understand where he's at. So I would probably say in this particular time in his life, I find him very difficult to understand. And, and I don't even know if he understands himself. So when you were looking into his eyes, what did you see and what did you feel from him, man for man? Um, I saw pseudo-aggression. So quite a lot of people have said he was aggressive. I didn't really feel threatened in any way. Um, I saw bravado aggression. I saw an act like you'd see in the ring. Um, that's what I saw. Beneath it, there was a hurt boy who wanted to show, wanted to get love from his brother, which he opened up and talked about. Um, and someone who, yeah, probably really, really needs to feel love and respect. Did you feel pain? In what respect? From Chris, did you feel and... Oh, as in pain in him, or did I feel pain myself? Both, but first pain from him. Talking about, particularly when he's talking about the passing of his son. Well, the weird thing was, I felt a reasonable amount of hidden pain within him, but not as much when he talked about his son. This was a strange moment where he talked about his son, but I thought that would be the hardest part. Yeah. I mean, who knows what that, that's done to him? How can you even comprehend how any human could feel losing their son? I don't know. I mean, that's so complicated. He's still got an aura and a presence for him, would you agree? Yeah, I think... He's at 56. Yeah, so I loved and still love the Chris Eubank persona and the exhibitionism, the warrior spirit, the uniqueness that he brought to boxing and the world. And what we saw was an exaggerated version of that. It was, everything was still an act. <laughs> and, you know, the dressage, not dress, the dressage, which it's all explained in the in interview if you haven't already watched it. So, yeah, I love that part of him. There were some pretty epic long pauses. How do you manage an interview like that? What oh. the hell is going through your mind when that's happening? Um, so I love the pauses. Five years ago, I would have wilted like spinach in a boiling pan with these um, pauses. But now I just want to breathe them in and experience them and feel them. And the longer they are, the better. Because here's what I've learned. If you interrupt someone's pause, you've probably cut them off from somewhere where they were going to go that was going to be gold. Because if they're having to think that long, their answer isn't the normal answer. If you could just go pew, 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 you might be spitting out rhetoric or answers you've given a million times. But if you have to pause for five, 10, 15, 20 seconds, whether it's to think or whether it's for the theater, that it creates tension and it's very voyeuristic. I love the pauses.
I'm just rolling with them even more. I'm never going to stop someone's pause now. I want to go for the world record longest pause in a podcast. I love it. And I've had to learn to be comfortable in my own skin. Like, I, I felt like I can take Chris on. Because there was times, I don't know if it was in the interview or if it's in the full Rob.team edit, but there were times where he was basically like, are you good enough to interview me? Because this is war. And I felt good enough. And I felt like really on, on a skill level where I could handle him. And I don't normally talk myself up. But yeah, I felt pretty comfortable. Just really enjoyed it. I loved being in the moment because it was such a unique experience. What was, most, what was the most bizarre moment? I mean, the constant... <laughs> <laughs> and the eyes like this and the nostrils <laughs> at me the intensity i mean the whole bear story i i didn't get that at all i didn't know if that was an analogy i didn't know if that's something he really thinks he's done um it was amazing though it was just fucking i didn't know what the hell was going on at that point again i thought he's doing a bit it's going to stop but he, the story just keeps on going yeah so, fuck. yeah i um yeah that was strange I, I i'm still not sure what that is what do you think it is I don't know. I don't think he's slain an actual bear. No, I don't. I don't think he's gut an actual bear. For brisket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's some analogy for something. I don't know what it is. What do you think was in the bag? I don't know, but that is my one regret in that interview at the end that I didn't push to ask what was in the bag. You did ask him. Did I? Yeah, at the start you said... Yeah, what? I did at the start and he said, he basically said, you've got to earn it. And I should have asked him again at the end. I was so focused at the end on asking about if he wanted a sweetie um, that I didn't ask what's in the fucking bag. So what's in the fucking I bag? I don't know. I, d I don't know what's in the bag. He gave the bag to me, you know? You should have had a look. So when we were leaving... Did you not have a look? I tried. We were leaving, right? And obviously the fucking room's like that. And he gave the bag to me and I had it in my hand. And then for two seconds, he just... Stared at me and then he took the bag out of my hand. Right. So you obviously should mistakenly, have had, yeah. Should have had a Oi, Chris, over there. <laughs> yeah. So you did mention there was some heated moments and there's a, an exchange towards the end where um, Chris, uh, he, I can't remember what he says. He says something, he wraps up what he's saying, but he looked to Shah for approval and you said to him, why didn't you believe me? Why didn't you prove me? And then the, you know, it got really heated a little bit and he said something like, Oh dear boy, not to question me, I'll interview you. Like, what the hell's going through your mind at that point? Are you not just terrified? No, no, I wasn't terrified. Why is he asking everyone else in the room if the interview's finished or where we're at in the interview? I'm the one doing the interview. I'm the one that knows. I'm the one asking the questions. So no, when he told me off for interrupting him at the start, I'd made my decision that I was going to be not letting him walk all over me and I was going to be giving him a pushback. So if he was going to interrupt me, then I'm going to be telling him and it's my show. I know when it's over or not. I know where we're at. Doesn't go and need to ask everyone else. Needs to ask me. So now I felt, I felt fine about that. And just how weird was the overall experience on this interview on a scale of one to ten? 76. It was a brilliant experience. Like, I like surreal art. I like progressive experimental music. As you can see, I like fashion that's not the norm. 
So I just love these moments. I hope he's okay. We are keeping our eye on that. That aside, it was a, a really fun experience as an interviewer. Yeah, I mean, bring it on for anyone else who wants to have a ding dong with me in an interview because I've just gone Andrew Tate, Chris Eubank, version 17.0. I feel like it's leveled me up, yeah. So what would you say to Chris's son, Chris Jr., if he's watching that interview, if he's watched it, what would you say to him? Well, Chris Jr. knows Chris Sr. much better than Rob Moore does. So what can I say to Chris Jr. that he wouldn't already know? It's not my place to say. It's not my place to judge. I'm not a judgmental person. Um, I would say, if you're not sure already, is your dad okay? That's all I would say. But surely he must know. What's more intriguing is the agent. Because mm. the agent gave us no indication of the door we were about to open and the matrix we were about to enter. That's an interesting one, yeah. So again, you've spoke about this very publicly many times before, but your dad suffers from bipolar and mental health issues. If that was your dad going on podcasts and doing all of that, how would you react to that well, if that was your dad? My dad is one of, if not the strongest men that I've ever met. So stopping my dad doing anything, good fucking luck. If my dad's happy and he's not hurting anyone, because from what I could see in that interview, he didn't hurt anyone, from what I could see. Um, and he's not hurting himself, who am I to judge? Um, my dad has bipolar. There were certain moments where I felt like I saw some similarities, but my dad's been a million times worse than that and still gone and done whatever he wanted. Sometimes we as humans intervene too much. I interviewed Robert Malone, that's coming out soon. Yeah. And he says, human beings feel like they can fix every problem and they know better than nature. And sometimes they intervene too much. And I'm still gonna play this out. Like I said, we've reached out to people close to him to check he's okay, but I I'm no expert on mental health. I'm no expert on Chris Eubank. So I'm going to let it play out. Unless the evidence changes. Any regrets? Not asking him what was in the bag? No. No regrets. Okay then. So where do we go from here, Rob? If anyone is very specialist in mental health, we would love to hear from you if you've spotted any specific signs. I thank everyone who gave us feedback. There were hundreds of people who enjoyed it, loved it, thought that you know I did a solid job as an interviewer. And there were a relatively small number, but, but enough people who thought that Chris isn't well and that shouldn't be aired. I think that there could be a big upside for that being aired because now there might be some more awareness around it. And watch this space. We'll continue to present the content until things change. So where you might want to go from here is on our channel, we've got more Chris Eubank content, especially if you haven't watched the full interview. Um, on rob.team, we published the full, full uncut episode. Um, we take stuff out now on YouTube if we think YouTube won't like it or we could get canceled or shadow banned or even shut down. 
and some stuff that's more sensitive. Like I said, maybe some of the things we thought maybe wouldn't make Chris look so good. Um, we leave that in on the Rob.team, which is a private members area. So there'll be a link somewhere where you can join Rob.team. It's for start and scale up entrepreneurs who want to make, manage and multiply money, get better financial education and knowledge, but also for the behind the scenes, uncut content for all of our interviews.